Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Wicked Green Energy with your host, Roxanne Pappas. Roxanne is fighting to bring our troops home from the Middle East and reduce our country's dependence on fossil fuels. As an associate with Viridian Energy, she can provide domestic sources of solar, wind, and water right now to your home or business. On this show, she and her guests explore other cutting-edge ways we can reduce our carbon footprint and preserve vital resources across the globe. Here is your host, Roxanne Pappas. Hey folks, uh, this is Roxanne Pappas, your Wicked Energy Lady, coming to you from Cape Cod. Um, Sorry about last week, but um, had some technical difficulties, i.e. my internet stopped, and here I'm blabbing away all this for, what, 20 minutes before I realized I wasn't on air? So if that happens again, just hang with me while I fix it, and I'll be back in touch. (laughs) So um, what I started to talk about last week was this uh, disruptive uh, innovation. And if you read my uh, byline there, uh, it's a theory that was first developed in 1997. And what it means is that any innovation will transform an existing market by introducing things into it, correct? So in this particular case, what the innovation is uh, being introduced is simplicity, convenience, accessibility, and affordability. And that's something way different than the complex uh, energy um, business uh, business that we have today and the high cost. It's a status quo. So we need to make some changes. So in this particular case, in the energy business, disruption is not a negative, but rather an opportunity for improvement and cost savings. Um, you know, initially, these um, disruptive innovations are found or are discovered in a niche market um, because they appear unattractive to the to the big guns. But eventually, it catches on and uh, it it moves um, uh, into the uh, the population that redefines the industry. I think you can agree with, agree with me that this is happening now with solar. Maybe not so much with wind, but with solar. A little at a time, people are seeing the benefits to it, and more and more people are jumping on the bandwagon and saving a lot of money. So, as you know, our electric power today isn't our grandmother's, grandparents' um, electricity, or even our parents'. And... uh, and it, it is a little bit different, but we still have a long road to go. Although many of our utilities have been around about 50 to 100 years or so, few of their business models have changed at all in that, in that time frame. But with disruptive change, I want to review a, couple of, uh, a few of the biggest changes that we are seeing or will be seeing quite, uh, quite soon. Okay, electric uh, power generated from clean renewable sources. Okay, we know that. This this one's interesting. 
power be, to the idea of delivering power that's integrated to customers' specific electric electricity needs, even to the remote places on Earth. Now, I don't really see that happening, but please correct me if I'm wrong. But I know that uh, with Viridian, we take the technology to the remote areas of the world and we bring them light whether it's through solar panels or wind, uh, but we we bring them to them uh, specifically. Third, a focus on energy efficiency and losing, using less energy. As you know, we're always uh, told to unplug our uh, electri- uh, electronics and um, um, not using as much water, et cetera, et cetera. So that's been around for a while. And the fourth one, which is very, very important, people are becoming conscious of the energy inequities, both in who has access to renewables and who has suffered energy pollution. Now, meaning that that being said, the poorest areas don't have the access to the re- to the renewables because of the cost and the lease and all that. And so therefore their and their pollution is going to be higher than those of us who live in um more urban areas and uh can afford these things. Now, uh, this this is interesting. Microsoft or did you know that Microsoft uses as much energy as the state of Alaska? And within decades, they'll be using as much as a whole country. So given that, Microsoft has decided that they have a responsibility, and they want to be at the table carving the globe's energy future, even though it already gets 40% of its power from renewable sources. That means that uh, the disruptive innovation of uh, renewables is, making headway. Um, On another note, the U.S. Department of Energy is investing $2 billion a year in clean energy innovation. And that's more than any other investor, by the way. And it produces an average 20% annual return on on investment for taxpayers. The transformation to clean energy will be a multi-trillion business opportunity. The transformation to clean energy is going to be a multi-trillion investment opportunity. And this is by um, um, the Assistant Secretary, David Friedman, of the Department of uh, Energy. Now, I don't know about you, but I want a piece of that pie. And you can make a choice to invest in the future of the clean energy revolution where companies are making more money off the solutions than the problems. Right now we're focusing all on problems and rather than looking at to those, looking to those who have solutions that can be um, uh, uh, integrated. Um, and I do have to say that... Um, as far as the investment is concerned, or being a part of the green energy um, trillion-dollar 
business out there, Viridian is at the helm of that. So uh, if you're interested in any of this, give me a call. Okay. According to the Department of Energy, here are some statistics that have been underway since uh, 2008. Wind power generation has tripled to 70 gigawatts across the U.S., while its cost has fallen 40%. Solar deployment has grown 20-fold, while its price has fallen 60%. LED lights, we take them for granted now, and they've basically taken over the um, lighting market. 200 million LED lights sold in the U.S., and, a, and it has a price reduction of 90% from the good old days when it first started. Electric vehicles, although right now they're more expensive than, um, generally speaking, more, more expensive than the, uh, the gas uh, uh, cars. But they are in every state, and they're about four, uh, just under 500,000 um, uh, uh, electric cars on the road. Now, storage battery prices, which is what the grid needs, have fallen 70% since they first went on the market. So these are significant savings. And I'm, I'm happy to see that these innovations are uh, heading into the, into, the, um, into the business and making such a big difference. Okay. Um, as we know, wind, solar power is making coal and nu nuclear and petroleum-based plants too costly to run, and it's obviously it's bad for the environment. So we're trying to phase them out. However, our politicos out there, you know, whether whether they believe in climate change or not. The reality is renewable energy is the wave of the future. As a colleague of mine says, if it's not green, it doesn't belong in the future. And I give him kudos for that one. Having said all that, there are still arguments against energy disruptors, such as, re uh, such as renewable energy. We're often told that coal and nuclear can keep the power on 24-7 because they're the only quote-unquote, reliable source. I think we, we know what is considered reliable or not. But understand that the grid was built many years ago. And, and, and as I mentioned before, no um, modernization has been uh, forthcoming. And so because of that, there are no generation is 24-7. Things often break. The grid manages intermittencies by balancing non-working plants with working plants. And, and the same can happen if integrated, forecasted, and diversified renewables come onto the grid. In a diversified grid, the different renewables can contribute to the generation at different times, meaning if something breaks down uh, with the grid, then the renewables will take its place and, and get everything up and running or on the status quo. Um, we have um, a um, NIG Energy 
VP by the name of Rob Godet, and he is saying that the companies, the electric utility companies, understand the industry in the, is in the midst of change. Um, yes, yes and no. I mean, it does. unfortunately, the big guns may know this, but it doesn't trickle down, at least not fast enough. Okay, so what he's saying is that, that the industry used to be in the business of making kilowatt hours of electric power. You turn on the lights and then you pay for it. Uh, and traditionally, you and I as customers never ha never thought about it and never had a say in the price of the kilowatt hour or how it was delivered. But as you know, things have changed and some utilities' approach to customers has changed as well. The um, what's being focused on is the is the business of establishing relationships. Um, and what they're doing and what they're looking at is the individual, what the sorry, the customer. What does the customer want? Instead of saying, I have this, take it or leave it. They start with the goals, and this is mostly now with the commercial or big businesses. Eventually it will go into the residential market. So they're talking about, talking about what the goals are for five and ten years, what are the circumstances. And they have, they're looking at how a particular industry or a particular company uses electricity. And the best um, example I can give you is a hospital's electri electrical needs are far different than a factory's. Okay. <clears throat> what I want to do now, how's my time here? Um, uh, what I want to do is go, uh, go uh, and, and mention some disruptive and uh, disruptive technologies. Uh, these were you, I, about ten of them were identified by a um, Mark Richardson back in 2013, and I've tried to update some of those uh, figures. Uh, but um, as we've talked about before, history shows that innovations in technology cause dramatic increases in productivity. By transforming industries, setting whole societies on uh, new paths of growth, uh, and, a co and, uh, and a perfect example of that is the um, the wireless technology, which altered telecommunications. And I think we've all seen that. <clears throat> so, in in here at the, in here at the states, we have out of ten, I'm going to talk about five technologies that have begun or are in the process of or have the potential to begin in the future. We have to understand that not every technology will come to fruition, but some will, and those that do are going to change our markets drastically and for the better. Companies need to understand cutting-edge technology if they want to succeed in the energy markets of the future. You know, it, you have to understand that it's not just about turning on and off your lights or the viability of the planet in the environment. It makes good business sense. And, and fortunately, by making good business sense, it also helps the environment. <clears throat> so this one 
is uh, in a started and it's in its uh, it's we're still battling this one. Okay, the first one is unconventional gas. In the 1980s, there was massive unconventional national, what they called unconventional at that time, natural gas resources. They were identified in the uh, in the U.S., um, which spurred advances in horizontal drilling or fracking, which we know is not a good thing. Now, fracking is the only way we can enable gas to be extracted from uh, from the ground. Um, and it was uh, implemented, this I didn't know, in the early 2000s. I thought it was uh, later than that. That And that was in response to the tightening of the supply in our our gas market, which is why we were going over and getting oil all this time from um, from the um, uh, from the Middle East. Now, having that gas is um, saving our saving the consumers billions of dollars and enabling the country to reduce its emissions of greenhouse gases. Now, having again having said that. We are going. We need to find a different way to extract the gas from the earth, other than fracking. Um, and unfortunately, I don't know what it is. And I hope that there, these some of these disruptive innovations are going to find something for us. Two. So the second one is the electric vehicles. The cost of advanced batteries is dropping quite a bit. In 2009, the advanced batteries cost about $1,000 per kilowatt hour. In 2010, they started delivering them at over $500 an hour. And over the next few years, um, they're, they're looking at dropping below $300 per kilowatt hour. So once the cars, these electric cars are available on the market, the improved fuel economy could save consumers more than $500 billion annually in the near term and replacing high-cost, mostly imported oil with lower-cost domestic electricity. So, cool. Three, solar, solar photovoltaics or solar power. Now, in the cost of solar power fell to about a two dollars and fifty cents per kilowatt in 2012, and that was down from seven to eight dollars per kilowatt hour from '09. It's now projected to fall under one dollar per kilowatt hour by 2020. At these prices, you have to you have to admit that. The solar is going to be preferable to retail electric prices for most new homes and obviously the, the commercial businesses because it's going to be a cheaper way uh, than, the, than the, traditional, the traditional power sources. Okay, we talked about LED lighting. Uh, this is what I found here, which was um, quite interesting. In 2011, the... Uh, the 100-lumen LED bulb cost $20, and it was down from $50 in 2009. In uh, 2015, it went down to uh, $8 and $10. 
And then by 2020, they're figuring that it's going to drop even further, uh, another 80%. If that happens, global consumers could save more than $100 billion annually by 2020. And it could enable a 1.5% decline in U.S. electricity demand per year. Uh, th- th- these these things are incredible. The last one, the fifth one, is uh, grid sta- grid scale storage. As I mentioned, um, the grid has 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 storage units, if you will, um, to store the excess electricity. Uh, there are a variety of technologies. Um, including batteries and flywheels and ultra-capacitators uh, to, to, were developed to enable the large-scale storage of electricity within the power grids. Um, but as of 2013, the grid storage costs were about 600 to $1,000 per kilowatt hour. And then that uh, electricity that was uh, stored could be used only when local geology supports pumped hydro or compressed air storage systems. So they were, you know, they were, um, um, they were not allowed to do them in any uh, for just just across the board. Now the innovations that are coming along are making use of flow batteries, liquid metal batteries, and other technologies to reduce the cost to between $150 and $200 per kilowatt hour, and hopefully this is going to be done by 2020. And it will be able to provide grid storage in every major metropolitan market. What that means is when we have blackouts or what have you, we'll have the, the electricity stored in there to, um, to light up the world again. <clears throat> now, at those prices, the U.S. alone... Um, could build more than 100 gigawatts of storage over the, over the over a decade. Of course, now it's over to four years, hopefully. And the current new U.S. nuclear generation fleet um, would be basically non-existent, <laughs> and probably coal too, as 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 I've talked about it before. Many of the nuclear and the coal plants are are shuttering. All right, one, an additional one um, is clean coal, which ends up being an oxymoron. Carbon capture and sequestration currently costs $8,000 to $10,000 per kilowatt. Innovative processes are now under development could help coal-fired generators in the U.S. capture more than 90% of their carbon dioxide, enabling them to meet the new EPA rules. What is proposed is that generators should, should be able to be retrofitted in the existing plants with new clean coal technology for less than $2,000 a kilowatt hour. Um, about 200 of these coal plants are slated for closure by 2020 um, due to the high cost relative to natural gas and their pollution output. Now, I don't know at this point if, there's, uh, if there are any clean coal technologies out there. I know that um, with Viridian, um, with any carbon, anything that we, that we have or we use with, um, that, that has carbon emissions, we do have a fund to offset those so that when 
these technologies come to fruition, they will already be ahead of the game. <clears throat> okay, I want to talk about which countries out there are making the most progress for renewable energy. The leader in wind power is, oh, sorry, the leader in solar power right now is um, us, U.S., and we've got a tight race between China and, uh, and us for the um, um, for wind. Now, taking a few um, a few countries here, and I'm giving you these um, these uh, numbers from 2015, the end of 2015, because obviously our new numbers haven't aren't out yet. So, North America leads the world in terms of recently announced energy storage projects. Yay! Residential solar sees continuing dropping to continually dropping prices. Energy storage is going to grow tenfold in five years. California is pushing for 50% renewables by 2030. And renewables are 98% of new energy distribution in the U.S. Let's take uh, China. Now, they had a really bad, horrible smog problem, and it reached really very, very hazardous levels. Um, what they did is they capped the coal industry. They installed uh, 5.4 gigawatts in the first five months of 2015 of um, uh, renewable energy. Their offshore wind surges in capacity by almost 500%. And 5 gigawatt, gigawatts of distributed solar is to be available by 2015. Now, again, I haven't gotten those, those, um, those figures yet, so I don't know where we're do what we're doing or what they're doing. Uh, probably a topic for another uh, another show. India. India wants solar power to comprise 25% of its power by 2022. A, uh, let's see, 100 gigawatt wind energy capacity is planned for 2022. A one gigawatt solar power plant is to be built in Tamil Nadu which is the southernmost state in India. Uh, 40 gigawatts of solar capacity is slated for developing Rajasthan um, to be slated for 2022. Uh, let's see, 70, 750 megawatts facilities coming online pretty soon. And the Indian railways are, to, are going to be creating one gigawatt of um, of energy from their solar plan. Um, UK residents in the UK love their electric cars. Sales jumped three hundred percent. Their solar energy capacity jumped four percent. Fifty-seven megawatts of solar power connected is, has been connected in the UK. One point two gigawatts offshore wind project is planned. And their wind power has smashed records as of 2014. So obviously that's um, heading our way. Canada, the city of Vancouver, is, has voted 
to go 100% renewable. I don't have a date on that one, uh, but I hope it's, uh, it's soon. Japan has the world's largest floating solar power plant, um, and it's hosting more electric charging stations than gas stations. So these are, these are kind of cool um, um, statistics, if you will. But again, we cannot stop our efforts to push on new technology that will keep us from having having to be um, um, dependent on coal, hopefully gas too, because the fracking it, it ruins our our, our um, environment by you know the the uh, sinkholes and earthquakes and whatever that they can create. So hopefully uh, we can all do something on that and we can um, look into what innovations out there and start investing in so we can make some money off of this. Okay, I'm going to end off now. I um, thank you for joining me and I will see you next week. So long from the Wicked Energy Lady. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Wicked Green Energy. You may get in touch with Roxanne through her Facebook page, Living It Up Green, or her email, rpapas7 at gmail.com. That's r-p-a-p-p-a-s-7 at gmail.com. Join her every Monday night from 6 to 6.30 Eastern Time right here on the Wicked Housewives on Cape Cod Radio Network. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. Yeah!